Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey, food bloggers. Are you guys looking for accountability and business growth on a whole new level? If so, you should totally join the new Eat Blog Talk Mastermind program that we are starting in May 2021. Spend time alongside like-minded peers who will hold you accountable so you actually achieve your weekly and quarterly and yearly goals. Masterminds hold massive power. Let's grow together, learn from one another, and stop allowing deadlines to slip through the cracks. Achieve big dreams this year. We are now accepting applications for the Mastermind program, and you can find the application at eatblogtalk.com. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This podcast is for you, food bloggers wanting value and clarity to help you find greater success in your business. I have Christine Pittman from cookthestory.com with me today, and we are going to have a super fun chat about why and how to launch a second blog. Christine is the founder of Cook the Story, where her passion is to create recipes that take less time in the kitchen, giving you more time at the table. Christine's love for cooking started early, watching and listening to her mother and grandmother in the kitchen and working in her parents' restaurants starting at age 12. But before launching her lucrative food blog and business, Christine was doing something entirely different. 10 years ago, Christine was on maternity leave from a PhD program when her family relocated from Canada to Orlando. In a new country armed with a master's degree in linguistics and a new baby, Christine struggled to find a job opportunity that matched her skill set. While she figured out what to do with her life, she started a food blog. It was an exciting hobby and kept her connected with friends and family back home. Since then, what originally started as a hobby has turned into one of the top-ranked food blogs in the world with more than 2 million monthly readers. The journey from hobbyist to full-fledged lucrative business had many twists and turns and a lot of learning curves, but now Christine has figured it out and has great tips and great strategies to share to help other online businesses grow. Love your bio, Christine. I love your story. I'm so excited to dig into our topic today. But first, we all want to hear a fun fact about you. Okay. Well, you said that I was doing a PhD program in linguistics, but I think what's really interesting about it is that I was doing a degree in ling- in Inuktitut, which is the language spoken by the Inuit people, Eskimo people way up north. And I would regularly be like way up near the Arctic Circle doing field work before I was immersed in the kitchen and the photo studio. That's where I was. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Say that word again. Say the language. The language Inuktitut. Oh my goodness. That is the coolest thing ever. I've never even heard that word. <laughs> yeah, it's really neat. Yeah, I really miss it. I mean, I don't miss the super cold weather, but oh. um, it was really great experiences. Yeah. Oh, so cool. I love that. I love knowing that about you. So this is a topic I want to talk about because I have never considered launching a second blog, but I just want to learn from you today, Christine. Would you mind starting by just kind of telling us your journey, your blogging journey? We know that you started as a hobby and that turned into a 
booming, lucrative business for you. Um, can you just talk through that a little bit, like how it, how it has evolved? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it started as a hobby. And I think that was pretty common back then. Like we're talking like 2009, 2010. I think that maybe some people were making money from blogging, but it wasn't a well-known thing, right? It was more about sharing and, you know, maybe some strangers actually finding your recipes. And wow, how amazing if somebody you don't know comments on your your site, like way back then. And um, so because I was Canadian and my, well, now ex-husband, but my husband then uh, is British and he had a work permit in the States and I did not. And I was, you know, with a newborn. So whatever, we just came and started this hobby. And I wasn't even allowed to work in the States then. So the it was like even like even more inconceivable that it would turn into any kind of money making business this hobby that I started right, um, but then um, I started going to conferences and I started getting like some I don't not not really sponsorship work but like you know giveaways and people would give me some free things it's all very exciting um, and then I was at it was a blogging concentrated event that's Dan Morris and. Rachel Martin, who used to do that. I don't think they still do exactly the same thing, but they are still in the the helping blogger world. Um, I went to one of their um, sessions out in Phoenix, Arizona, and they just blew my mind, like somehow for the first time convinced me that this was a business, that I could treat it like a business, that I should be looking at my stats to figure out what I should be publishing, that I should be a business person, entrepreneur, that that's what I was. And I remember flying home from that conference, long flight, Phoenix to Orlando, and just making so many notes about all the things I could do. And then came home and started implementing it and really I don't, I don't want to, it wasn't just what I learned from them, but it was that mindset of like, whoa, this is a business. I need to treat it like one. If it's a business, how do I grow it? And, and working on that. And it started to get really huge. And I, I, it was around then that I realized that, um, I'd made a lot of, I don't want to call them mistakes, but because it was just a hobby and not a lot was known about blogging, um, I just done a lot of strange things on my site and I had all these great ideas for like, if I was going to do it again. And then one day I was like, wait a minute, I could do it again. And that's when I launched the second site, the cookful kind of implementing what I'd learned and, and what I would do differently if I did it again. And that site has been very successful also. So that's a really cool thing that came out of all of that. Okay. So say your second site again, say the name of it. Okay. It's The Cookful, T-H-E-C-O-O-K-F-U-L. Okay, The Cookful. What a cool name. I love that. That's very creative. Yeah. Okay, so I'm curious, how did you decide what content to put on your second site? You, okay, so <laughs> this this went through a funny little stage. So what I was seeing on Cook the Story was that the things that were most popular on that site, it was very low numbers back then, but the things that were growing and that were doing well were my stuffed pepper recipes, my soup recipes, and my fish recipes. So the original idea behind the cookful was actually three separate websites, one called, oh gosh, Stuff the Pepper, Flake the Fish, and Slurp the Soup. <laughs> and I was going to do, I know. <laughs> I love it. And I had Cook the Story, right? So it was like all riffing on that, like, mm. do the thing to the thing or yeah. whatever. Um, and I was going to do these three sites, each with a focus on, like, a niche. One was just stuffed peppers, one was just soup, one was just fish recipes. And, you know, one of the things I'd learned, and, you know, we hear this all the time, that you should have a niche. And Cook the Story was so broad. Um, 
I thought I would keep doing Cook the Story, but then I would really focus in on these new sites. And, you know, you brainstorm, you keep going and the realization of like having to maintain four websites and um, all the the social media platforms. And like at some point I was like, oh, and then um, it was through some brainstorming with um, Katie Widrick, who is oh just a wonderful person. She, she worked on my team for a long time. Um, and she, I don't know, we were talking and she was saying, this is going to be too much, Christine. And, and I was really disappointed and I agreed with her. And then it was one of those, like I, one of those moments I'm like in the shower uh, after a run and it just popped into my head, like one site that dives into a different topic every month. And so we launched with, you know, uh, a series on popcorn where we just had popcorn recipes for a month and a series on margaritas where we just had margaritas for a month and a series on stuffed peppers where we just did stuffed peppers for a month and so on. And so, yeah, that's where it came from. So it is a site where we dive into a different topic every month and just do recipes and information on that topic. And that one is contributor based. So I, I brought on other bloggers, they submit recipes and articles and photography and I pay them and, um, and I do some of it myself. Christine, I just had this light bulb moment. I've met you. I have totally met you before. I met you at a blog. <laughs> I blo- knew it was possible. I, I met you at a blog her conference. Like, I don't know. This was probably five, six years ago. I sat at a table with you. I cannot believe I did not realize this until this very moment. But you were talking about your peppers. And you were talking about how like you you wanted to start a site just on peppers and the, a friend talked you out of it and said, no, you should like really like, um, you know, revolve around different topics, not just peppers. And I, I yeah, that's so crazy. Fantastic. Oh, my well, it might have been this. This sounds familiar. I had just gotten the business cards for the cookful and they're, you know, the the moo cards that yeah. have. I'm guessing this is what it was that you could have the different pictures on the back of the yep, ones. Yep, yep. And so I had some of them just had like, it's like a, just a whole bunch of peppers from the top. And another one's like a whole bunch of popcorn for the top from the top. And I was so excited about the business card. Oh my gosh. That's funny. I probably was too, because I, I think I started my moo cards around then too. So wow. Okay. Crazy connection there. All right. Well, I'm glad to see you again <laughs> to yeah, talk to you again. You. Okay. So you decided that the cookful was your idea. You wanted to run with that. What were the logistics involved? Because I wouldn't even know how to sort through. Like, did you take content from your original site or did you start completely fresh or how did you do that? A little bit of both. And I will say, I, I people ask me all the time for advice when they're starting a new website or anything. And I, this is my own personal take on this. I felt like I needed that site to launch with a lot of content already on it. I felt like I'd already done this thing. I've been doing this thing for, you know, four or five years at that point where I'm like, hey, friends and family, look at my blog, look at my hobby, look at my, and I wanted this to be like, hey, everyone, look at this thing I did, you know, like, boom. And I, and I, I really think that that has something to do with why that site was so successful, but that's sort of a separate, you can ask me about that in a bit. Um, but yeah, so to get that, I think we launched with, I want to say 60 or 80 recipes on the site. And to do that, I did dig into what I already had on cook the story. And I took 
um, underperforming or like things that had never really done anything on that site. And I used the pictures and then I rewrote the recipes and rewrote the like blog post content. I mean, rewrote the recipes in like reworded them so that it doesn't look like duplicate content exactly in the same way. Um, Although I'm sure the Google algorithm is so smart. It's like, oh, Christine Pittman works at both of these sites and these are the same stuffed pepper pictures. This is the same recipe. But like just keeping it a little bit fresh. And I still do that sometimes. I'll still like notice that there's a whole bunch of recipes on Cook the Story that are related in some way that um, have never really done well. And I'll be like, hmm, I wonder if I should like repurpose these over to the Cookful and see if 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 I build a whole thing around them will something come of that, you know? Super interesting. So people like you and I who have a ton of content sitting in our original blogs, um, this is really a good option because I'm constantly going through my content and just combing through all of that old stuff, the photos and the writing, that writing, oh my gosh. And oh God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So this really would be a great option. So you saw traction very quickly, right? Once you started your second blog, how quickly did you get, to, like how many followers did you have within, I don't know, six months or a year after launching? Oh, okay, so it was, uh, it was around the three month point that we started getting 100,000 page views. I measure in page views. So um and I've never, I just want to say you said followers and I just, I've never oh, really been yeah, doing yeah, yeah. social media for that one because it's, I don't know, it's, it's, a, that's a whole other story. It's, social media is not my strong suit, but yeah, page views, it was around a hundred thousand page views a month by the third month, fourth month. And then within a year it was up at 500,000 wow. a month. Yeah. I really think it's, well, part of it is when you have the experience of having done it and you know, like there's something different for a second site, I think that's true. And, um, all the content on it. And then of course I did leverage this, the other site, like by then cook the story was doing fairly well. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it probably was getting 600,000 pages a month. So I would, linked I would not too much but I would link a little bit from cook the story to the cookful so if I was doing a new soup recipe on cook the story and we were doing a soup series on the cookful I'd be like oh and check out this soup over here on my sister site and then the same thing like the Pinterest account you know does a little bit more pinning from the cookful than it would do from just a, a stranger um, and the social media sharing in general so I think that that all leveraged together you know yeah yeah, that's really cool. It's a um, enticing idea for me because do you ever feel like this with your original site that you just kind of like want to throw it all away? <laughs> that's probably why you start did this because I feel like newer bloggers have such an advantage over us because they don't have that huge pile of rotting bananas. And like, I sometimes see my site as just a heap of garbage because I have so much to go through that is not quote current or combed through like so much old stuff. So I, I love this conversation. You are giving me new eyes to think about this with. I'm like really don't need another thing on my plate right now, but <laughs> it sounds really intriguing. So what are some like basic tips that you've learned that you would like to impart if somebody listening is like, oh yes, I definitely want to do that, but I don't know where to start. Do you have any nuggets to share that you've learned along the way? 
for for launching a second blog. I I really so um when I launched the cookful, I guess I should step back and say that all of that inspiring the flake the fish slurp the soup, all of that idea came about because I hired somebody a few months before that. It was our babysitter. Um, Her name is Madison, and she was looking for a summer job. And I was like, huh, do you think you could learn to edit photos and and whatnot? And so I hired her for the summer. And what we did was I just cooked all day and shot pictures all day. And she was editing pictures. And then I would go – I'd go for a walk every day, and I would speech to text – the blog posts for the things that I'd cooked that day. And then I'd email them to her and she could then like put the blog post together. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, And then we, we scheduled that out. So we were doing, you know, three to six recipes a day and she was putting them together. And then we sort of scheduled it out. So I was having, I guess, two to three new posts go to week for six or seven months. And the idea was that then I would have more time to kind of just keep up, you know, do one or two new recipes a week and like cook one or two new recipes a week and just keep adding to that thing in advance. And what ended up happening was I freed up my time so much that my brain started doing this like, oh, new idea, new websites, new whatever. And that gave me the space. So I would say like if you're thinking about doing it, you need to make sure that you're in a place in your current site whatever that publication schedule is, whatever it is that you're doing, that you are free to focus on something new. Because a new thing is going to take a little bit more energy and and more thinking, strategizing, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense because we don't like adding things to a full brain. <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah. That's not a good equation. And I, I feel like right now for me would not be a good time to start a second blog just because I'm trying to like protect my sanity lately more than ever. And you know, you know how that goes, but eventually I think that this would be really a really good option for me because I have so much content need a way to manage it. Yeah. The other, the other, the other thing, like I do, I just, I just actually started diligently doing this, but I got a plugin and I can't remember what it was, but uh, it, it was easy to find, but it's a plugin that, gets your whole database from like just a list of all the content in chronological order that you have on your site published. And I downloaded that as an Excel spreadsheet and I've been slowly working through, and I don't know, it's easier to see in this spreadsheet, like sugar, warm sugar step salad. What is that? And like, (laughs) should I consider deleting that? Should I look into my stats and see if it gets any traffic at all? Should I wait, let me look at those pictures. Oh, those aren't so terrible. Can I do something with that? You know, so there's something about putting it in instead of looking at it through the dashboard, you don't click on all posts and you can see it there. Um, Instead of doing that, but looking at it in a spreadsheet in this chronology, I've been I think I've been much more able to get a handle on the old content, figure out what I want to republish, figure out um, what I want to maybe think about getting rid of, maybe even noticing trends that I could, you know, put some things over onto the cookful. That's really helped me recently. I have a spreadsheet This you know, that is exactly what you're saying, but I did it manually. Literally. Oh yeah. It took me a long time to get, but oh, it's yeah. gold. I mean, it's like, 
I live by it. I look at it every single day. And you're right. You can't look at your dashboard and get the same information and same glimpse of what is on your blog as you can with a spreadsheet. I love my spreadsheet. So if you can remember the name of this plugin, we can save other people all of that stress because between my VA and I, we spent a really long time on that, as you can imagine. That was like, at the time, I had like a thousand recipes. That's a lot of logging. Yeah. Oh, it's so much content. And it, it, a lot of it is dead weight, as you were saying. Um, it's too bad. I, I mean, obviously, everything was a good idea at some point. <laughs> That's like the best quote ever. At some point, everything was a good idea. Yeah, well, it's true. Like, I find it a little heartbreaking sometimes. Like I'll go into one of these old posts and I'll read what I wrote, and I have to. You have to be kind to yourself, but you know, I'll be like, really, you, you, what, what were you thinking? <laughs> Who were you back then? Oh my <laughs> gosh, I know. Okay, I made these like gross. I just found these the other day. Thankfully, I've taken off taken them off my blog. I took them off a while ago, but I found these photos. I'm like, oh, that's right. I made these gross, like, um, like refrigerated biscuit dough or like you know refrigerated dough. I put um, like chocolate inside, and then some other weird ingredient. What was it? It wasn't strawberries. It was something really off the wall, and I was like, what? was that and the photos were just like you couldn't even tell what it was it looked like a little cocoon of some sort <laughs> like what was I thinking <laughs> yeah and it's really tricky right like I feel like okay so I started this as a hobby to share like it really I wasn't testing recipes back then I was making dinner for us and taking pictures of it with my point and shoot camera and that's what the purpose of the site was and so on the one hand that feels like that's authentic and that's real. And that's what I was. Um, but now I have a business and I do test the recipes and I, I, you know, if, if I start getting comments on a recipe that isn't working or something like that is there's a big caution put on it. I, I've pulled a recipe like, you know, it, it, these things have to work and people are coming to my site and they trust me and it's like a whole different world. And then, but there's this war in me. I'm like, yeah, but this was where it started and this is real. So it's a hard decision to make about those old things. It is. It is so hard because you're right. It was authentic back then. I was truly just, like you said, making dinner for me and my family. And I loved what I put on there at the time. At the time, it was a great idea. But now in retrospect, I'm like, whoa, that was very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So how much you mentioned not investing a whole lot of time in social media on your second site? Mm -hmm. Has that changed or how much do you invest there versus uh, your first site? Oh, the you know, I I do not like social media. I am just I have never I, I guess what I when Facebook first came on my radar back in whatever year that was, 2002 or something, um before I was blogging, I was excited about, you know, Facebook personal life Facebook, but at some point I stopped liking that and then I and then it became this job along with my blogging and I was never able to make social media work for my site or for me. You know, I, I'm one of these, I, I constantly just have my mom thumbs upping everything that I do and like nobody else. And it, I, it, I'm just not good at it and I don't love it. I, now I have a, a social media person, I mean, I guess a VA, but she specializes in social media and she does both accounts, both cook the story and the cookful 
Yeah. So, so she's, so the, this is really for the first time in forever. uh, Do I have somebody that I think is doing a great job that I work well with that, you know, I look at my own Facebook account, like my Facebook page and I go, Oh, that's cute. I like that. (laughs) That's funny. Whereas, you know, for, I would either try to be doing it myself and then forget or not want to, and it would like stagnate. And then I'd try again, or I would try hiring somebody. And uh, I actually, I feel like, because I don't like social media and I'm not good at it, I never am super happy with anybody else's trying to do for me for it either, if that makes sense. Like it's, um, but yeah, so cook, I think that now, nowadays, so I have somebody else doing both of them now, but I still gravitate towards cook the story. If I am going to share something, if I'm going to say something myself, if I'm going to go in there, it's always cook the story and the cookful, probably because it's contributor based. Like it's not. Like, I almost feel like Cook the Story and Christine Pittman are synonymous in my head on some level, whereas the Cookful is, like, a whole bunch of different people and a whole bunch of different things, Um, so I don't feel that draw to it. So, Cook the Story is almost like your baby, your original blog baby that you'll always consider yours. (laughs) Yes, it is mine. Yeah, I can see how that would evolve for me too because I feel such a strong tie to my blog that I too started over 10 years ago and Mm -hmm. I mean I've stuck with it all this time and I've poured my heart and my soul into it so that would always be probably my original tie as well but I do see benefits to doing this and I'm curious do you know of any other bloggers who have really dug into this? You know, I haven't, so I do know that there are people doing it all over the place, right? Like, uh, so I I do know, I I don't want to name names because I can't remember which ones have turned out to be successful and which ones have stopped doing it or like, I don't really know. But I do know that people have started niche blogs. Like they, I think it was a trend probably around 2015 when, or even a little bit before that, when that niche word started coming out and, you know, you go to a, you know, go to blog her food and there's somebody who's been blogging for three months and already has a million pages a month because they focus on, I'm going to say green smoothies, but I, I, whatever it was, uh, kale chips or something. And, um, And so I think a lot of people either niched their own blog more or rebranded or started a second blog that was more niche. I do know that that was a thing that was happening. What I've been noticing more now from like the, I mean, like the Ad Thrive Facebook group and Mediavine Facebook group and different like places where it's not just food bloggers, you see people talking about having six or seven blogs and they have maybe 10 or 20,000 pages a month for each one, but they're doing affiliate sales and they're super niche. So the people who come to them are, you know, buying the things that are affiliate linked. And, um, or I just saw a a conversation about people buying already established blogs, like small, like, you know, 10,000 pages a month and they're buying them for not very expensive, but they already have the backbone in place. I've seen a lot of that going on. Oh, that's intriguing too. Yeah. Wow, lots of stuff to ponder. So I am trying to get my husband to join me in business. I I mean, it will eventually happen, but it's just a matter of like when. And we're talking about like, what could he do? Because he's not that typical, like coming in with a technical background or anything like that, mm-hmm. like some spouses are. Yeah. So um, my wheels are turning about this because he could really do a spinoff on something that aligns with my content because he loves to cook. He loves making drinks. Yeah. He loves making appetizers. So 
Thank you, Christine. This yeah. is great. No, you're welcome. Yeah, no, he totally like if he did like some niche blog related to yours and then you link from yours, link to your social from your social platforms. I mean, I, I think people debate whether it makes more sense to just start niching more on the, the first site that's already doing well or to expand. I had a lot of success and I'll say one, like there's different things that I like. I just mentioned that I'm in the ad thrive and the media vine groups. I have, I run media vine ads on the cookful and I run ad thrive ads on cook the story and I get enough traffic on both that I, I have, you know, points of contact in both places. I, I don't do this. Like I'm not like being weird about it, but like if ever I run into trouble with one, I have instant access to the other to switch over or, you know, I, I also get the benefit of seeing what both platforms are doing. We know we have this crazy um, cash, uh, what is happening, the cookie thing that's changing in the near future where our advertising stuff is changing. I, I am getting insight from both. I'm seeing what's happening in both worlds. Um, I, I think that's really valuable, you know? Yeah, that's smart, actually. I never thought to do that either because once you get into one network, it just kind of is in your brain that you need to stick with that network, but not necessarily. I don't know why I thought that. Just one of those things you get stuck in. Oh, and I'm not I'm not advising that people jump ship or anything. I'm just oh, sure. that I think I benefit from being yeah. No, I saw your point of view. So what other kind of general tips do you have? You've given really great tips like hire out, get help. Uh, make sure you are in a place where you can actually dedicate time to a second blog. I think that's a huge one because so often we dive into a project and we don't have time for it and then we get burned out. So that's a big one. Um, create a spreadsheet. If you have that plug in, we can put it in your show notes maybe. find it for sure. Yeah. Um, just to save a lot of time and and hassle because wow that's a lot of work and then yeah you've given good reasons too why it would be a good idea to do this um so any other things that we can put in people's brains about how or why um i i you know i think that it, it's interesting if if you are already blogging and you're already seeing success in what you're doing i feel like often the when you want to do something new or engage something new, we jump off into something completely new. Like all of a sudden I'm going to start making TikTok videos or I'm going to start a podcast or I'm going to start. And I think all those things are great. And if, it, if you're passionate about it, do it. But here's something that you actually already know all about. And you're, you're now an expert. You've spent however long learning all of this. If you want to, in, in, if you want to jump into a new creative, exciting project you can do this and it can be totally new and totally exciting, but still use all of those skills you already have instead of having to go and get new ones, you know? Oh, that's a great point too. Absolutely. Especially if you've been doing it for even a number of years, even two years, you likely know a lot <laughs> more than anyone else who's never been blogging. So yeah, that's a great point. This has been great, Christine. Wow, thank you. I just have a fresh new perspective on this. And when my um, time opens up a little bit, hopefully later this summer, I will be considering this. So you have some words of inspiration, not along the lines of our topic today that you were talking to me about a little bit before we pressed record. So I want to hear those and so does everybody else. Yeah, so I feel like when, um, well, you and I both started going to blogging conferences and all of that way back when, there was a lot of conversation about finding your voice, and they meant 
in terms of like writing, you know, you're, you're blogging, writing blog posts, find your voice and your audience will come. And I think that's all true, but I, I want to spin that on its head. And I want to say to bloggers, like find your own blogging voice. And I mean, what you're good at. Is it, is it YouTube? Is it the great recipes? Is it SEO? Is it, and like, really focus on that and don't worry so much about what everybody else is doing. I feel like we're all, you know, a little incestuous. We're in all these groups. We're doing all this stuff and you see, oh, she's really successful on Facebook. and Oh, he just jumped on TikTok and oh, he, she's doing that. And we, we feel like we need to chase everybody and do what everybody else is doing. And my, my biggest piece of advice is figure out what it is that you're great at and what's working for you and your blog and what you like and focus more on that than on worrying about what everybody else is doing. Shiny object syndrome, right? There's so many different things that pull us away, pull our attention away from what we love every day if we allow it to. So that is really solid advice. Thank you, Christine, so much for taking the time out of your day for this. This has been amazing. We will put together a show notes page for you and we will put in there that plugin if we ever find it, Mm -hmm. because I think that would be awesome to deliver to people. Um, And your show notes can be found at eatblogtalk.com forward slash cook the story. Christine, I know you've already kind of said this, but will you reiterate where everyone can find you online? Yeah, the best place to find me is cook the story everywhere except for TikTok. (laughs) 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 But yeah, all my social media is cook the story. People, if they want, if people can email me, um, cook the story at gmail.com is actually my favorite email address to give out. Um, And that goes directly to me if people have blogging questions or, you know, anything like that. Um, I, I am happy to talk with people anytime. Oh, that is so generous of you. Thank you so much. And thanks again, Christine. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.